Good evening. Um, tonight's Bible verses comes from Romans chapter 5, firstly. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. The next verses comes from chapter 5, but verses 9 to 16. Marks of the true Christian. Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honour. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Thanks, Angie. I want to start, and thanks, Adam. <laughs> I want to start this message with a question. If God had his way, what would church look like? If God had his way in Epping Church of Christ, 31 Bridge Street, as we gather together weekly, what would our service look like? Would it look the same? Would it be different? See, I've been blessed because I've had the opportunity to experience church in quite a few cultures over the years. I remember more or less eight years ago, and I think Jordan was with me at the time, and we were staying in a bamboo hut in the middle of Myanmar, Burma. And it was so cold in the middle of the night, and the air would go up you know, past the floorboards, and we'd be freezing in our little sleeping bags that night. And I remember waking up at the dusk, hearing this beautiful chorus of singing. And I look outside um, the window, there was no window, but you kind of just look outside the bamboo hut, and here I see an, a fire drum, you know, a drum that has fire inside, newspaper, and it's burning, and I saw soldiers standing around this campfire with a guitar, and they were worshiping God with all their hearts. They had their Bibles out, and it was just so organic and authentic. That is church. Again, a few years later, I was in China, and in China, you get persecuted for your faith. They frown upon churches and people meeting in public places. So people go into their houses, they invite their relatives over that are Christians, and they go into houses, and they do church inside the house. And it's always followed by food, and they pray for not two minutes, but usually for like 45 minutes, and it's crazy, it's wild. That is also church. And then I remember my church that I just came from before I came to Epping Church of Christ, and this was in Hong Kong. And this church was sandwiched between two brothels in a red light district. And the church was probably no bigger than the cry room that we have on the side. 50 people crammed into that space, worshiping God. That is also church. So I wanna ask you, because we have been doing church together as a community for some time, if God had his way here at Epping Church of Christ today, what would church look like? They gathered, all these people gathered together, not because it was the right thing to do as a community, not because of obligation or ticking a box. Yes, I've gone to church on Sunday. No, I didn't go to church this Sunday. I better make up for it next week. It wasn't about that. They gathered together 
because they had something that unified them that was so real and so powerful that they couldn't help but come together. And that excites me. And I've been overseeing life groups for you know, a little while now. And life groups excites me. Do you know why? Because I see that as church. People coming together in community, gathering around the word of God, praying together, encouraging each other, doing life deep, meaningfully, and authentic. That is church. So we come together weekly but we also gather together in our homes. And as we do that, I really believe that we will grow and we will empower each other into the likeness of Christ. But I want us to get out of this mental box that we have within our Western society of what church looks like because God is so much more beyond that. The community of Christ is so much bigger than that. So we're gonna look at three things today. The first thing is I want us to address, and this is, it might seem quite a, 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 a uh, shallow, not shallow, what's the word, simple. It might be such a simple thing, but I want us to address the importance of community. And then we're going to look at the greatest barrier to community, because every culture is different. But I believe that we, there's some barriers that are in our place, in front of us, that stop us from connecting in that deep, authentic way in which God has designed and the last one I want us to look, like, look at is what is, what is the level of connection that God desires for the church? So first of all, the importance of community, and we're going to look at just a couple of verses here. And these verses are incredibly famous. I'm not trying to preach a new idea, but want us to address maybe something that we've seen before but overlooked. Matthew, let's have a look at 2 Corinthians 13, 14. It says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And so what we see here is the Trinity at work. And let's have a look, and I'll, I'll draw, to, draw, draw, draw us into our, my point in a moment, but let's have a look at Matthew 33, 16 to 17. As soon as Jesus was baptized, and this is such a beautiful story, a picture of Jesus, Father, and Holy Spirit at work together. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went out of the water, and at that moment, heaven opened up, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and a light lighting on him, and a voice from heaven said, This is my Son whom I am well pleased. Famous verses, but what we see here, and these are just two verses that I pulled out, a plethora of verses that are spread throughout Scripture. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We serve a triune God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Three of them working together in perfect harmony and community. Genesis 1.1, and this is the ver- at the very, very beginning, very beginning of the word. We open it up, and let's see what it says. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. 
Isn't that a beautiful picture? And in John 1.1, also the beginning of John, it says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he, Jesus, was with God in the beginning. Without him, Jesus, nothing would be made. And so even the picture from the beginning of creation, you see the workings of God, Holy Spirit, and Jesus together to give birth to everything that we see today. And and C.S. Lewis really paints it so beautifully for us. He uses this word called paraclesis, which is called, which is, it, which uh, means divine dance. So the way C.S. Lewis describes it is that Father, Son, Holy Spirit, who was in community with each other, and he describes it as this beautiful dance where none is above the other, but they're working so authentically and beautifully together. This God that created everything, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that sits in the epicenter of all of reality. This Father, this God, sits at the epicenter of all of reality. It is no wonder that we, made in the image of God, is drawn to community. Because God is community himself. It is ingrained within our very DNA and being, primal to who we are. When, and you'll notice this, when people take themselves away from community, things actually happen in, within our psyche that are quite bad. People, you know, people are more likely to fall into things like depression. So many problems, you talk to a psychiatrist, so many problems are birthed through a lack of what love. So many problems are birthed because people are lonely. There's something deep and primal embedded within our souls, whether you're Christian or not, to connect because our creator himself is a communal God. We are made in his image. The Trinity means that God himself is community. More accurately, God is community. One person, one God, three persons before all worlds, before any sort of human community existed. There was God dwelling in perfect loving harmony in his threefold being. That is the God that we serve. And what is so amazing is that we have been invited into this divine dance. Ephesians 1.15, it says, Having heard and believed in him, we have been marked with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit. In Romans 5.15, it says that we've been given the spirit of adoption and by which we call, you know, call out to the Father, Abba. When Jesus died and rose again, we have been invited to this divine dance through Jesus by the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 2.6, it says that God has raised us up with Christ and seated with him in heavenly realms with Jesus. So this relationship that we see between the Godhead, this triune God, we have been invited right into the center of this relationship to join in, his, in this divine dance, this paraclesis. We have been invited to participate in the communion that is God. Genesis 1, 26 to 27. Let's have a look at this together. 
Then God said, let let us make mankind, plural, in our image, that's Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals, all the living creatures that move on the ground. So God created them in his own image. Why is community so important? Because it's so deeply connected to who we are. See, I'm Eurasian. I'm Asian and my dad is white. So I'm Eurasian, but I'm not just Eurasian. I'm a pastor, but I'm not just a pastor. I'm a mom, but I'm not just a mom. I'm a wife, and I was about to say husband, but no, I'm a wife, but not just a wife. I have been brought into the family in which is in Christ, which transcends all of my identity markers. You have been brought brought into the relationship in Christ that transcends all our identity markers. In our shared identity under the Savior, it transcends everything. See, I have more in common with an Iraqi nationalist who is a Christian than a neighbor that doesn't know, want anything to do with Christ. I will be spending eternity with you all and all who bend the knee to Jesus. We have the same Savior. You and I have said yes to the same Lord. We can't get out of the communal nature that is humans because our creator is communal by nature and we are his image bearers. So what is our biggest barrier? I'll go back. Yeah. What is our biggest barrier? I mean, these things are all well and good and we know that we're supposed to connect together in community, but what is our biggest barrier within our cultural context? I believe in our generation, we have become obsessed with convenience. It's all about, and I reflect on my own life actually, um, you know, Peter and I were all about optimization and, you know, optimizing our life, making sure that everything works so that we can do things fast and effectively and efficiently. Why go about a roundabout way when you can go straight? You know, we're all about optimizing our lives. And without realizing it, what we have done is we've fed into this desire for instant gratification. See, I look at all the apps and all the technology in which we have at our disposal in our phones. We have things like Uber Eats. We don't even need to go out to a restaurant anymore. It comes to us. I look at Facebook and Instagram, and it's great that we have connection at the tip of our hands, but I I don't know about you. I wake up, and I'm like flicking, and the first thing I do, I usually turn on my phone, which is probably not the best app. But I flick through, you know, my newsfeed, and I am doing my daily dose of stalking, seeing what's happening in the outside world. And by the time I hit breakfast, I've already gotten my daily dose of, like, connection without even having a conversation with another person. It's shallow, and it doesn't meet that deep soul satisfaction. Other things, online dating. It's great that we can go and we can, like, you know, we can flick through profile pictures and find, you know, somebody that might meet, you know, our compatibility quota, our desired checklist. And I'm not dissing that because I know so many people who have found the right one through online dating. But that's just another thing that's at our convenience. Shopping is now done online. Food, groceries can be delivered at your door. 
Uh, look, I'm a huge Facebook marketplace shopper because I can get good things for secondhand. But, you know, I don't even need to go out to the shops anymore. Study at home at your own convenience. Chromecast. I don't even need to go and reach for the remote anymore. You see, Insta Envy. This is another one. Everyone's best selves are showcased for everyone to see. Grass is always greener at the other side. I think sometimes because the grass is fake. And we have traded in this authentic, deep connection that we're supposed to have with another human being for something that is less and that is not deep enough to satisfy our souls. Social media, our identity, the filter between you and the real you and people get thicker and thicker. There is a psychological design embedded within apps we use to make th- they, that, use, that they use to make us feel instantly satisfied. Why else do we scroll down our apps and our newsfeed like a slot machine? We are just scrolling. There is people behind that to want us to keep us on social media for longer. There's, 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 tr- there's people that are there that are looking for new ways to get people hooked. Girl with the perfect angle and, wow, the lighting is so perfect, blocks out that lighting that is so perfect, blocks out all the blemishes, and then down, down at the bottom it has hashtag no filter. Of course you don't need a filter. The light, the light has done its trick. But do you get what I'm trying to say? Is that we, as a community, we need to pull down the filters that are separating us so we can be the community in which God desires. And the thing is, we hate, because of everything, we hate being inconvenienced. But you know what? Church is not supposed to be convenient. The community of God is not supposed to meet our convenience. In fact, sometimes the community of God is hard. You have to go out of your way. You have to be inconvenienced. Could we have adopted this culture that is out there within our church where the church and life group and other, all those other good things that we are supposed to do out of the overflow of our love for each other, have we swapped that out and have we pulled back because it's too inconvenient for my life? Last thing, what is the level that, of connection that God desires for us? Now, Romans 12, 5. And this is a famous verse, but I want us to really look at this together in the context of community. Romans 12, 5. So in Christ, though we are many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So in other words, Jacinda, we are not just Sunday acquaintances. We belong to each other. It's pretty deep, right? And that's how this verse, and that's how Paul is describing the body of Christ. We, there's a belonging to each other. And do you know what, where else the Bible talks about this deep sense of belonging? Where else? In marriage. And look at the wording that Paul uses here. So in Christ, though we are many, we form one body. Where else does the Bible talk about that? When 
The son leaves the father and becomes united with his wife. They become what? One flesh. Similar wording. So in Christ, as the body of Christ, we start belonging to each other. That same level of intimacy is expected within the body of Christ because we are family. We belong to one another. And it makes sense that if we follow down to verse 9, 12 verse 9, this particular passage is used so often in the context of weddings. So often. And it makes sense. But this, what Paul is trying to say here, he's not talking about marriage. He's talking about us, the community of God. Let's have a look at what it says to us, the body of Christ. And I'm going to go through and sort of break it apart so that it applies to us contextually. Number one, verse nine, love must be sincere. In other words, we need to be authentic. We need to be sincere. Don't say, and I'm just, think about our relationships. Don't say one thing and think another. Let your words reflect your heart. And I want to, I want to challenge us. Don't trade your authenticity for approval because that's the danger. Don't trade your authenticity for approval. Number two, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. So don't encourage bad behavior. So we're in amongst a lot of people and friends and it's very often and very natural sometimes for negative things to come up in conversation. It could be towards a leader. It could be towards somebody else. It says here, don't encourage bad behavior. Hate what is evil. If you hear someone talking negative things about someone else, don't encourage them. Don't go along with it. Keep each other accountable. Good people bring out the good in people. And you are all good people here. We all belong to Jesus. Good people bring out the good in people. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Verse 10, be devoted to each other in love. Honor one another above yourselves. In other words, be loyal to one another. Be loyal to your leaders. Be loyal to your ministry. Be loyal to your friendships. Be devoted. Don't abandon ship when times get tough. Be devoted and stick it out with each other. Put the needs of others before yourself. Verse 11. Never lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor in serving the Lord. When you're a Christian for a long time and you've been serving for a long time, sometimes we do lack passion. Sometimes we feel that our passion leaks. And usually that happens because we've lost the connection to the one we serve. When we serve man, that doesn't last but when we serve God, it has, we, 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 um, he will sustain us through it. Maybe you have been really involved in kingdom ministry in the past, but you have stopped because you feel like it's someone else's turn. I've done my nine yards. And I want to say also, being involved in kingdom ministry, you might be in one area of ministry, but it can look different over time through the season, so you're not locked in. But... It says that don't lack in zeal, don't lack in passion, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Verse 12, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. And this is a hope that God's got this. And through the seasons, we need to be joyful, be patient and faithful in prayer, no matter what we're going through. 
Verse 13. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. I feel, I feel so incredibly blessed, especially when I became a new mum. Because a lot of you called me. Some people even visited. Jacinta, I think the baby was only two months old, came over. And at that time, I was feeling quite disconnected from community. The thing is, Share with people, share with the Lord's people who are in need. And this is something that we need to be intentional about. And I see people actually doing it. In the morning service, people go out of their way to drive some of the elderly to church. And it's beautiful. And I see older generation going out of their way to encourage younger generation. And it's absolutely beautiful. But I want to ask you, What can you do to help those in our community that are in need? Because on the outside, we all seem okay, but I guarantee you there's at least a few people here that are struggling. What can we do? And it specifically says also practice hospitality. I believe hospitality is one of the greatest ministry gifts because you are welcoming people into your home, into your community, and you are serving them. And I see this happen within life groups every single week. And it's beautiful. I'm just going to go through this quickly. I'm sorry. It's a big list. But I'm hoping that you're looking at this and thinking to yourself, where can I actually improve in this? Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Now, this is an incredibly hard one. This doesn't mean, because this also doesn't mean that you have to be a pushover. It does mean that when things get tough, we take the higher ground. And that's so much harder than it is on paper. But I really encourage you, people in your workplace, people that in your life that are hard to love, I encourage you, be kind to unkind people because more often than not, they're the ones who need it most. 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. We are a church that has a culture of celebration, and Larry does this really well, whether it's pregnancies down to people that have had um, members of their family pass away. We mourn with those who mourn. We celebrate those that go through significant life changes that are great. But that's Larry. What are you doing to celebrate with those who are needing of celebration, a culture of celebration? Are we rejoicing with people? When people are struggling, do we mourn with them? We can't look at our leaders and say they're doing it, so therefore it disqualifies me. We need to be actively doing it ourselves. Numbers, uh, verse 16, B, do not be proud. Be willing to associate with people of low position. Don't, in other words, don't make comparisons with other people. Don't think of yourself as superior, but become friends with people that are different to you. And I think some of us do this really well in this community. Last one, don't be conceited. Don't have or show excessively high opinion of your own self and your own quality. And I'm not just talking about on the outside, because I think some of us know that that's socially unacceptable. But inside, don't have an excessively high opinion of yourself, of your own qualities and abilities. And I love this quote from John Woodman. Talent is God-giving. Be humble. Fame is man-given. Be grateful. Conceit is self-given. Be careful. Because it's hidden quite often 
and it's a slippery slope. Be careful. So looking at this list of the, the community in which God desires, is it even achievable? Is it even achievable? You know what? It happened once. The king who was above all kings came down to earth and he gathered with him, towards him, a small group of people. And this group of people, they ate together. They cried together. They supported one another. They uplifted each other. They, they looked at the word together. And this group of people then went out and changed the world. It is possible, but we need to be intentional. It is possible, but we need to pull down the filters that separate us. It is possible if we push past the inconvenience and look our brother and sister in the eye and know I'm going to be spending eternity with you. Our bond is thicker than blood. It is possible. And this is the community that I see in Epping Church of Christ. The potential. So if God had his way, what would this community look like today? What would Epping Church of Christ look like today? Now I'm going to invite the band to come up. And we're going to do things a little bit differently. And the way that I kind of envision it is kind of like a campfire huddle. So please follow with me. Please get up out of your seats. And what we're going to do is we're going to like move things around a little bit. I want everybody at the front. And Jordan and Josh and Adam are going to lead in worship. And we're going to do church a little bit differently. But please lean in. Because I believe that sometimes we become so structured in the way that we do church that we miss out on the point. So get out of your seats, get to the front. I don't want to see anybody, even the guys at the back, please get out of your seats and come to the front. Let's all huddle together around worship. Because we serve a God that is so real. And he wants us to connect deep and intimately today. And there's more people than I thought, so that's fine. Just huddle closer. (laughs) Oh, yeah, we pushed some of the chairs back. Good. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.